0: chapter twenty two of from alien to citizen the story of my life in america by edward steiner this librivox recording is in the public domain read by michelle fry baton rouge louisiana chapter twenty two the school of the rabbis A few years ago I was in the midwestern city from which I had started for the rabbinical college that I never reached. I visited the old haunts, the Irish boarding-house, and the factory where I helped change corn into genuine maple syrup. Perhaps the most interesting episode of that day was a visit to the lady of my boyhood dream, now happily married and the mother of many children.' in passing through the railroad yards near which the factory is located i saw an irishman whose flaming red hair was more copious than the red disc of the switch he turned he looked familiar enough to me to address him by a name which was not patrick and to which he responded he did not recognize his former fellow-traveler nor did he care to recall his brutal treatment of me until i told him that he was a wonderful switchman to whom i owed much by tripping me and giving me a twisted leg he had switched my whole destiny not only to another track but onto a different road i had started for a rabbinical college with a wretched faith and but little hope or courage i went instead to a presbyterian theological seminary with a buoyant faith a fresh enthusiasm and a consuming passion to tell other men the way to the new hope and the new life i doubt that men who have seen the heavenly light at noonday are fit candidates for theological seminaries a fervent convert and hodges theology a bubbling spirit and science and exegesis a passion for men and biblical criticism ought not to meet too soon they were about as stimulating to me as the contemplation of the household budget would be to a newly-wedded pair added to the formal and critical atmosphere of the seminary i found its faculty hopelessly disrupted by the higher criticism and one of its members on trial for heresy there was open and expressed hostility the spirit of the classroom was inimical rather than inspirational while the brotherly love and forbearance which i had hoped to find in abundance were so lacking that i had to seek an outlet for my own emotional life which was in danger of being stifled the church which was close enough to the seminary to be regarded as the cathedral of the denomination was if possible more divided and less sympathetic while the chief mission of the pulpit seemed to be to condemn the higher criticism and its advocates i attended that church but once for it reminded me too much of the orthodox synagogue its spirit was rabbinical rather than religious and of that christianity that divine passion which i believed it ought to impart i felt little or nothing i suppose i was as much to blame as the church for i was walking on clouds while the church was propelling itself over hard tangible cobblestones which later i had to cross myself with jolt and jar at that time however i was not ready for them to use a biblical but somewhat mixed metaphor i was a babe in christ and the church was quarrelling over the milk supply however i found a real church or rather the church found me it was one of those citadels of faith about to be surrendered to business in the basement a commission merchant had already established himself and it was merely a matter of short time until the church auditorium would be given over to cabbages watermelons and other perishable things for the body while the imperishable things of the spirit would have to be housed in the more congenial if less needy suburbs The pastor was a saint, an Old Testament saint with a New Testament halo, a covenanter with the heart of a St. John, the beloved disciple. He preached an uncompromising Calvinism in the spirit of the Beatitudes. The old church looked like a mausoleum, and when he rose to preach, his spare ascetic figure, with a dingy wall for its background, was scarcely visible to his depleted and loyal flock good plain middle-class folk of scotch-irish blood and training real israelites in whom there was no guile made up the congregation they sang david's psalms in long and short and mixed metre dolefully and without musical accompaniment after which they listened patiently for an hour while the pastor expounded the scripture i was invited to assist him and help rejuvenate the aging and dying church the breadth of this man's spirit is shown by the fact that he entrusted to me his prayer meeting and gave me permission to keep the church open every evening for gospel meetings he did this without examining me in theology or homiletics trusting only to the spirit which he believed animated me i had a naive courage much enthusiasm and a real love for people i knew absolutely nothing about how to make religious addresses or how to conduct meetings i opened the empty church and for a week i was the only one in it this in spite of the fact that i had handbills printed which i personally distributed the second week i determined to compel them to come in the region in which the church was located had gone through that pathetic transition from stately home to boarding-house and at that time was in its last stages beginning to be illumined by red lights and darkened by grossest vice i marked out a district of about thirty blocks and carrying a load of bibles and tracts started to work my parish selling bibles or giving them away while inviting people to my meetings although i still attended my classes in the theological seminary i did it less than half-heartedly but i started out on my new errand with an apostle's faith and courage unhesitatingly i can say that for me the tramping through wretched tenements the contact with poverty ignorance and vice the discovery of oases of faith virtue and cleanliness in the most untoward environment were of more value than my attendance in the classroom i explored a hell more real than any theology can paint it i saw five-story tenements the basements dingy and damp never safe from a coming flood and never free from the moisture of the last one i visited garrets hot and stuffy rooms crowded like stables and not as wholesome where brutal husbands were abusing their wives and often both of them beat each other in drunken fury There was a stretch of about eight blocks closest to my church, the hovels of which I would not now have courage to enter, nor would I send a young man there, no matter how fixed his character or how holy his errand. To preach to the dead in Sheol would be safer and easier, yet I am quite sure that there I did true disciple's service, in comparison with which all other work I have done fades into insignificance. How was I received?' in most places gladly in some derisively and in a few ejected forcibly what bibles in a brothel this with a mocking laugh but the painted face could not hide a touch of sadness as if the sight of a bible had brought back memories of a yet untainted life she was in the mood for talking and that night she was at my meeting a few years after walking across the streets of that city suddenly i felt a hand upon my arm turning i saw a woman carrying a market-basket her face was not beautiful but maternal sweet and honest i did not recognize her she proved to be the woman of the brothel the magdalene restored to herself and to her people i have received many great rewards in one form or another but none so great as the gratitude of this woman during that period i not only explored the real hell i found also the real heaven i recall a tenement house worse than anything i hope ever to see again fortunately its type is no longer tolerated whole floors were merely stalls in which poverty and vice had chained men and women to their troughs it was a bedlam of curses and vicious odours hell outdone yet in that house i came upon a door opening into a room white and clean a few pictures hung upon the walls and on a dresser lay some books a small organ stood in the corner and from a sweet saintly-looking woman came a cordial greeting the room seemed to me like an altar erected in the midst of hell like a bit of heaven dropped into that sulphurous abyss to sweeten it this woman also came to my meetings and her room became a place of intercession for the sins of many A Jewish girl, with the fighting spirit of a Deborah, drifted in and stayed. She now lives in the gospel among the colored people in the South. A drunken tramp printer snatched my Bible hungrily, and begged me to pull him out of the thraldom of his sin. I never catalogued nor counted the men and women who came to those meetings, but they rise before me now, unbidden, and I wish their number were larger and my share in their redemption greater.' the meetings were unique enough to attract some of my fellow students from the seminary and we called it among ourselves the church of the precious fragments i am sure that those of us who did the work received more than we gave my talks as i remember them were too emotional and they probably neither helped nor hindered but the blessed fellowship the sympathy the desire to help and the presence of the spirit did the work not only were the people we gathered in benefited the dear old minister sounded a fresh note in his sermons the young people of the congregation had a broader vision and the tome-like church was brightened by a new light strange to say the very thing which should have made the church live killed it or at least hastened its end the few people who paid the piper would not come into a church polluted nightly by the presence of our precious fragments they said they feared for their children one evening after meeting the minister asked me to accompany him to his home where after a long and agonizing season of prayer he told me that the meetings must stop and why i could not sleep that night the old doubts arose stronger than ever i began to question everything even my own motives and i returned in the morning to the seminary fully determined to sever my connection with it and to abandon my preparation for the ministry when i reached the classroom i was told that a stranger had inquired for me and that he would return at noon he was an english jew of a high degree of culture and a great deal of wealth both consecrated completely and uncompromisingly to the cause of christ i am sure that the christ spirit enveloped him more than any man i have ever met he was a disciple who knew no ifs or buts to the divine command who accepted literally and unqualifiedly the teachings of jesus hazarding his all upon his childlike faith his motives were as single as his mind was simple and his life as pure as i have often wished my own to be the one subject upon which we did not agree was his absolute faith in the jewish national ideal he believed in the second coming of the messiah the establishment of the millennial reign and that the jews were to be the vehicle of this desired consummation his faith became a sort of fanaticism and he lavished a fortune in trying to further the divine plan by writing pamphlets verses and books which he printed at his expense He had a wonderful banner painted with the Lion of Judah and the Cross of Christ symbolizing the new kingdom. I could not share this faith. To me, humanity was more than Judaism, and Christianity not dependent on the conversion of any race. I felt myself a new creature, related to every other creature, and his Judaic Christianity was to me as repellent as the Christian Judaism of the seminary. So we frankly disagreed. My contact with this man taught me not to label men, for although he seemed to me narrow and fanatical, he was broad enough and genuine enough to drop the discussion of his peculiar ideas and try to comfort me in my distress of mind. When he discovered how uncongenial the atmosphere of the seminary was to me, he suggested another one, of which he had heard, and offered me all the financial aid I needed. Unhesitatingly, I should put him among the few Christians I know who unflinchingly accepted all the consequences of his faith he was born either too late or too soon he belonged with paul or in some crises not yet reached he had traveled through the whole world preaching the second coming of christ urging jews to make ready and gentiles to pray for their conversion he never asked a penny nor received one he spent several fortunes in the cause so dear to his heart and is now somewhere spending himself i never could believe in all he did but i envied him his spirit One day I left the classroom, determined not to return, for I knew I could never preach the doctrine I was being taught, and the little of the new spirit left in me was chilling to death. My goal was the seminary my new friend had mentioned, and there I went, again penniless, knowing no one either there or on the way. Looking back, I am sure that the great leader was guiding me. End of chapter 22